This is a Retail Insider Podcast. You're listening to the interview series. Welcome to the Retail Insider Podcast. I'm your host today, Craig Patterson, and we're joined here with a special guest, John Crombie. He's the Executive Managing Director, Retail Services for Canada for Cushman and Wakefield. Welcome, John. Thank you, Craig. I'm delighted to be here, and uh, thank you very much for having me and on this podcast. Excellent. Now, let's talk a little bit about retail before the pandemic. What were you seeing um, out there? I know that there were some challenges and whatnot in the industry. What were you observing? Well, first of all, it's hard to remember that long ago, and it just seems so much runway has occurred since then. Uh, I mean, listen, retail sales were were slowing down. We'd seen that from uh, 2018 to 2019. And as you may remember, as a lot of pension funds, we're looking at uh, calling out underperforming locations. We saw that with uh, Rio Can, you know, selling 106 sites across Canada. You saw Ivanhoe, uh, Cambridge, looking at divesting in their retail portfolio, Partners REIT. So we were seeing a lot of that. Maybe it was a bit of the uh, signs of what, uh, what was yet to come. The other thing that was the big uh, discussion topics uh, for a lot of uh, landlords that we worked with was this whole movement to mixed-use developments and the idea of intensification and densifications of sites. And so you see this whole transformation of right-sizing the retail, looking at alternative uses, especially if it's on transit-oriented sites, transit-oriented uh, site area there for, um, for that. Um, they became uh, ripe for redevelopment and bringing, obviously, residential, uh, senior housing, and other particular complementary uses. Uh, talk to a lot of retailers. They're all about, you know, reducing their size of stores to increase that productivity when they could. Uh, it seemed to be a big discussion. Uh, in every downtown core of all the major cities, it was all about retail restaurant retailers wanting a prime location. And, uh, you know, we were seeking, you know, on behalf of some of these restauranters for the after hours crowds, uh, looking for some of these sites. And in the core, it's very difficult to find. And some of these rates were going sky high accordingly. And so uh, that seemed to be what was going on, certainly in the marketplace. But that said, uh, you know, although COVID has been tough on retailers, and I can't dismiss that how hard it's been for, for many retailers, some obviously have done well, some have had their difficulties. I think it's a great thing of how we've shaken up from this status quo we were before, and some of the things that uh, I think needed to change. And what have you seen over the course of the pandemic? I've spoken to some uh, real estate professionals that have said that some retailers are looking at even smaller spaces and uh, and all kinds of other things. Tell me a little bit about what we're seeing right now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, uh, as many people have commented that, um, you know, what's uh, happened in one year probably would have taken five years in terms of some of the changes. And a lot of the presentations that I've been doing uh, for interviews like this or to our clients is what that COVID has been the great accelerator for retail change. And some of the things, first off, is changing consumers and changing consumer behaviors, right? You know, sometimes in the past, looking at that was like watching grass grow. (laughs) It was very slow to change. And some of these changes to consumers, obviously, your house is your castle now. And the idea of safety and the focus on local. And you're seeing a lot of these changes that were, were, were happening at rapid speeds and of course, retailers had to had to uh, adapt to them. And of course, as you know, we saw the, the you know the increase of curbside pickup and the delivery models, and of course, e-commerce spiking almost doubling when we had no other way to get our particular um, products. Uh, Self checkouts becoming now more the norm uh, going forward. 
And so it was really showing the resilience of the retail industry, although some were still having their challenges selling products because they weren't open, but uh, how quickly they adapted to some of these changes, obviously, to service the, com- uh, the consumers and make things happen. In our certainly what we found in the, in the as the pandemic started in March of 2020, our all our discussions were on rent relief and rent deferral. And so um, you know, it wasn't about new transactions. It wasn't about expansion plans for retailers. It's uh, you know, how is this going to work? And you know, there were some retailers that went into partnership with their landlords and you know and had uh, you know good adult discussions about what they should do and how they should do it. Some retailers just decided not to pay rent and created sort of friction there. So you had quite a swing uh, from one way to the other. Um, obviously, the government subsidies have really helped from wage subsidies to rent subsidies to keep people uh, alive. Um, we did see a spike in uh, vacancies. We recorded over 2,026 store vacancies in Canada uh, in 2020, which was about three and a half times what we saw the previous year. So. Um, a lot of companies in some respects, although it's not great to go into CCAA, but it was an opportune time to do that, to look at your portfolio, the Aldo shoes of the world, the reapments of the world, stepping into that and having a, you know, maybe a once in a lifetime opportunity to call out again, underperforming stores, um, to look at <clears throat> where they should be, why they should be there. Um, so a big change in that. And, you know, it, it probably wasn't, seen as a bad thing from the consumers for these retailers to go into CCAA because it was all about um, making sure you're surviving. Other things we saw, which we hadn't heard really seen much before, the whole dark store concept or automated warehouses for the delivery models or pickup. Um, Walmart, as you know, is, has announced the 22,000 square foot automated store for grocery. Now uh, you go in there, order online, queue up your, your keypad when you come to the store and it's picked and packed and dropped into your car. I mean, ideas that were, uh, were never even contemplated before. And again, it's just showing the, the innovation that retailers are trying to bring forward. I think another point is supply chain. And I think retailers really realized that the importance of supply chain. In fact, if you relied on three countries for your manufacturing and distribution to uh, that that you may have been caught on your heels. And, and I think in part and parcel, while the industrial market has exploded over certainly the last 12 months, is a lot of retailers and many companies looking at, you know, how do they create redundancy in their whole supply chain and making sure they're going to many, many other countries for their manufacturing of goods. You know, and even the cost of container shipments have gone up, as you may know, four times, and it's hard to get supplies there. And that's been really, really difficult. Uh, kind of the funny part is the the biggest retailer that we saw expanding during the pandemic was the cannabis retailers. And I think you've probably done some stories on that, but um, a lot of them th- felt that it was a good time to get out there. If no one else was there, I might as well, you know, throw my offer in at an at a opportunity and see if it bites. But we they were certainly the number one retailer being uh, most active during the pandemic and, and continue to be so, but we are certainly seeing um, some retailers uh, um, uh, taking advantage of the marketplace right now. And paying pretty good money for leases, I think, compared to other retailers. There, there's a bit of a premium for cannabis, I think. this I was reading this recently. Yeah, when they first came out, it was a two times rent um, for the cannabis. And a lot of them had to tie the store up, as you may know, and then apply for the for the uh, application. And if it was denied, sometimes landers saying, well, I, you know, you've got a five-year lease. I don't care about that. 
And so, yeah, it was a it was a real uh, opportune time for landlords to take advantage of it to the cannabis, which was happening so quickly, and people wanting to get in the game. They were they were all willing to pay that premium, but again, have taken advantage of it now in in the COVID you know the early COVID time to try and secure as many locations as they could. And I think right now we're kind of used to what cannabis should be, could be. You know, there was some landlords that felt that it wasn't the right image for them have cannabis locations in their in their shopping malls. I think some of that has subsided a bit in terms of its uh, their attitudes uh, towards uh, this as it's becoming really norm as it relates to the services being and goods being offered to consumers today. Yeah, yeah. I um, was going over the uh, Ontario website and I noticed a bunch of Cadillac Fairview malls have cannabis stores that are coming. So it's quite interesting. I didn't think that a landlord like that may necessarily want cannabis stores, but clearly there has been a shift, as you just said. Yep, no, no question on that. And you mentioned that uh, that you mapped out over two thousand vacancies. Was that over the course of twenty twenty, or what sort of a timeline were was that? Yes, that was over for twenty twenty, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so we recorded the closures of that. And again, it was about three and a half times what we saw in twenty nineteen. Interesting, and we're just getting the stats in for the first queue and second queue for twenty twenty one. And it's a really, um, I think, for the first queue, it was only a hundred store closures. And uh, we're recording just over about 150 store closures for a second queue. So very light <laughs> compared to what we saw. I think a lot of it has to do, as I mentioned earlier, about the rent subsidies and the wage subsidies. I think it's delaying a lot of retailers in terms of, of, of potentially pulling the trigger on store closures. And so I suspect, depending on whether we have a fourth wave or whatever the case may be, is that we may see an uptick on that. But Perhaps the worst is behind us. Uh, a lot of it happened, as mentioned, in 2021. Retailers were the the highest category. Retail was the highest category of bankruptcies last year, about 45 or 50 across country uh, that declared the the, the bankruptcy. So um, they were they took the trophy for it, unfortunately. Um, but I, I suspect, well, in the third and fourth quarter, we'll see a few more upticks, but uh, yet to see where that's going to go. Yeah, yeah. And, and the government supports may actually go to the spring. Uh, we are, it's no secret, in election season all of a sudden here in Canada. And uh, I think Justin Trudeau, who's probably going to get in, I mean, let's be realistic, uh, just given what we're seeing, uh, was saying that, you know, into March of 2022, my God, we're already talking about 2022 here, uh, that, you know, the supports may continue until then. It's going to be very expensive for the government, but would, you know, be potentially good for some of these businesses. I also wonder, though, if it is supporting some businesses that may otherwise, you know, not have a, a longevity to them otherwise, uh, you know, it's, it's a conversation I've heard as well. Yeah. Well, in, in the restaurant industry is, is tough enough as it is. I mean, uh, I think the stat on top of my head is seven out of the 10 don't survive in the first two years. So it's a high risk anyway. And you're right, there may be a delay on that. And that has to be taken consideration because that's almost the norm of the business anyway. It certainly was the norm prior to the pandemic. Oh, absolutely. And um, now we were talking a little bit earlier, you were mentioning that uh, you know, the international retailers have been coming into the country. This is something that Retail Insider tracks. I think 2017 may have been a world record breaker for Canada. I shouldn't say world, but break. <laughs> I think over 50 international retailers came into the country. Are you seeing any interest from international retailers as we uh, head into 2022 here? Or tell me a little bit about the landscape that you're seeing. Yeah, so we are. We have been getting a lot of inquiries, tire kicking about Canada. and. Uh, and coming up here. You're right. I think we peaked at 50 and then it was 35 and then declined. And obviously 2020 was down to a, just a trickle and they'd probably already made their commitment to come here. 
Um, but what we are sensing is that we're providing a lot of information to these foreign retailers, whether they're European, Asian, or the, or the Americans. Um, but a lot of them are holding back right now. Information's fine. Um, but I think, first of all, traveling to our country has been, been very difficult, obviously, with the travel restrictions. So coming up here and touching and seeing the real estate. Um, but a lot of them are doing their homework. Uh, I sense, too, that um, many of them see opportunities, quick opportunities within their, their local markets or their country markets. So if you're American retail, you might as well look at the American market, which you can get to much easily, understand it better than, than potentially opening up into a, into a newer market. And so I think I suggest that probably late 22 and early 23 is when, you know, there's the opportunities that are coming here to look at that. That said, for retailers that are currently here and want to expand, uh, maybe it's a good time to look at that expansion plan sooner than later. Because sometimes landlords like that new shiny penny. And if you're competing with the similar type of space, you know, you're better off not competing with the new entries into the market and looking at, and, and, and potentially taking advantage of some of those sites earlier on. Because what we see going forward this year, it'll all be, it'll be more about the quality of locations rather than the quantity. And retailers always are expanding, or that's the joke. Retailer, you're not a retailer if you're not expanding. And so part of it is that I, you know, COVID has obviously hit the pocketbooks of many retailers. They've dipped into their capital reserves, which are used for, you know, spending for expansion. And so I think in the in the past, where it was just about getting as many locations as you can to get your stores out there, it'll be more about the quality locations. And so we believe that if a landlord has a good quality location, they'll likely see some even maybe higher rents than pre-pandemic and, and a little more uh, pick of the litter as it relates to retailers. So uh, that's going to be well sought after in terms of that quality, not quantity of sites. Now, we've seen some retailers um, kind of playing almost musical chairs in terms of some spaces have, say, come available in a shopping center and they say, oh, I'd love this corner space. Or I've seen some retailers that have, say, annexed an adjacent space to expand their store. Uh, there, there has been some movement, I think, even just locally with some of these retailers. Yeah, and I think another thing to bring up as it relates to what we're seeing in the shopping malls is the uh, increase in temporary tenants. Mm -hmm. And we've seen that mm -hmm. both in the United States and Canada. And I mentioned the 2000 vacancies. Well, that's obviously created some holes in, in a lot of the shopping centers. And um, what's happened is the temp tenants generally are about 4% of your um, CRO, CRU within the, with the mall. We've seen that jump to about 8%. And so, uh, and landlords traditionally wouldn't have taken a risk on some of these shorter term deals because they'd rather have longer term tenancies, but they don't have quite the pick of tenancies these days. A lot are focusing on local retailers, and which is great because it plays into what the, what the consumer behavior change we've seen that people are wanting to and like to support the local. At Cushman Awake for our asset services group, uh, they've been searching TikToks and Instagram to find these independent retailers, different marketing, uh, but bringing them in there for a one-year period and testing the product. And in a lot of cases, um, it's gone really well. Because again, we've seen the change in consumers. And if you can kind of bring these different retailers in there, it's something exciting that it looks different now than what you had before. So we're really seeing an uptick in that. Um, some spaces have also <clears throat> filled in uh, for percentage rent-only deals, which, again, the landlords, again, wants to fill the space. But in a lot of cases, they'll have a lot of flexibility within those particular transactions as well. 
That's certainly seen a, a big change. And there's been graduated rents as well, where, you know, there's a sort of a lower rate for a period of time, and then it goes up a second year, and then it goes kind of back up to what market rent would have been, maybe say in 2019, by the third year. Or have you seen any sort of deals like that recently? I've seen deals all around. Um, I've seen free rent come back. And so you keep the posted rate, but you add free rent six months for the first year, five months, and so on. Um, definitely exactly what you said. Um, the first two, if you did a five-year deal, first two years are, you know, three or four bucks below what you know, post pre-COVID rates would have been and then coming up there. I've also seen percentage rent for the first two years because, again, if another wave comes in and we're closed again, you know, how do I survive? And I don't want to be sitting there and then going back to you and having rent relief discussions. Um, so that's another way to ease into the thing. Or in some cases, mainly shorter term is full percentage rent deals. So there's certainly um, all over the uh, all over. One thing we are seeing in in in, in brokerage is um, our retail inv- investment overall has been really strong, and retail investment sales have been really strong. In Vancouver, for example, it's retail condos or they call them stratas, and so people are buying their stores instead of leasing their stores, and there's been a huge uptick in that. We've seen street front, you know, typical storefront uh, um, uh, real estate that we've been selling. Um, I think it has to do with the residential boom. And people, if they can't get a house, they're looking at buying a storefront or something like that. You know, it's $2 million, $3 million, you know, that from a price point, it's not much different than a, a luxury home in Toronto these days. Uh, but a huge swing in that particular area uh, in terms of the investment sales. Leasing is still down a bit. Um, but uh, it's being well offset by the increase uh, in brokerage revenues we're seeing from the investments. Wow, wow. And a lot of leases have been negotiate, renegotiated, I should say, as well, um, uh, you know, perhaps at lower rates. Uh, have you seen any, like, say, pandemic clauses? Because I know that some retailers, if there's a, say, a fourth shutdown, or I don't know how many there have been, I'm losing track. <laughs> you know, are you seeing any sort of new clauses and leases as well around, you know, the pandemic? Because I think that that's something that some retailers are certainly looking at. And I'm sure their lawyers are the ones primarily suggesting it. <laughs> yeah, there's no question that um, and many of the offers have pandemic wording. And so it's, it's, it's better defined. So in the event of that, my rent will do this for this period of time. And I mean, who would have ever thunk it before, right? That we would even have that, but that's certainly being very commonly used now in offers going forward. Um, the whole idea, and you just mentioned earlier, percentage rent versus face rent. So having a combination of that, especially if you do take a lower rent, if you're, you're forced to, that you want some upside and the percentage rent can do that. So once their sales are over a certain dollar value, then the landlord gets a little more of a tickler there. But but I do caution you that, you know, we in in, in certain sectors of, of, the, of, of the real estate, we've actually seen some rates going up. So I would, if you look at the service type retails, the ones that have the booze, the food and the drugs stores that have, have seen the traffic to date, um, a lot of cases we're dealing with renewals with retailers there and they're coming off rates and the landlords are pushing for higher rates because they're saying our real estate is about as good as it was pre-pandemic. And so it's uh, it's it's not not everywhere has gone down. There's definitely a suburban and urban story. You know, the downtown cores, I think it's about 11 percent occupied right now. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, a lot of the retailers in the urban areas are completely suffering. And I, I, I feel sorry for them. And until that comes back. So, you know, there's a lot of just limping people along there and, and maybe renewing them at lower rates or rates are retrading a bit. Uh, but the suburban is certainly a different story. Um, and, and the other thing we've seen is our prime trade areas of our shopping centers have really changed too. 
you know, where people, when they are getting out and about, aren't going as far. And so they're supporting a lot of the, the community centers and local centers. And so they're seeing, you know, a lot more activity than they had previous, you know. So uh, I think it's also supportive of rates there, too. And we would probably see downtowns come back more when, you know, office workers come back at some point, tourists, students in universities and whatever other schools are downtown. Absolutely. And I, and so I, uh, you know, the one thing that's, you know, I'm, st- I'm still feeling pretty bullish about the retail market. I mean, I, I guess I wouldn't be in brokerage if otherwise. They always got to feel bullish. But you know what? There's this $2 billion, $200 billion worth of, $2 billion worth of, uh, of uh, disposable income that we've put in our pockets. And that's not going to be all spent on retail, uh, but they we call this the dry powder. And it's a real driver for people. And, you know, we've held back a lot of spending. And now it's great to see apparel is jumping back pretty strongly. We've been wearing the same T-shirts and same underwear and socks. Uh, now it's time to change. And now it's time to upgrade and especially more social events. So I think you'll see that. And and really, uh, the predictions that uh, I know I keep seeing for year end, uh, we might see a bump year over year at December of 9%, which is, will be one of the strongest retail years. Right now, as of August, we're tracking about 13% over 2019 in terms of sales. It should subside a bit, but we are definitely seeing the bounce back. And I think there's going to be a bit of winners and losers. There's, ones, there's still the retailers that are doing very well. Thank you very much. And I think they're seeing certainly a bulk of that. Um, that extra saving, but that's going to help provided we don't get a fourth wave, but that'll help to bolster the retail industry and keep people, you know, hopefully uh, growing and keep them alive uh, and coming into 2022. And do you have any predictions as we sort of look out even further 2022 and beyond, um, you know, without having a crystal ball or knowing what the future is going to hold around Delta and other variants? Well, I think, I mean, a couple of comments that we're, we're, we're also seeing is that, um, um, there's a big bounce back at the QSRs right now, uh, quick service restaurants, and especially the Starbucks, the Burger Kings, the McDonald's of the world. And the big thing is drive throughs and drive throughs have a premium and that's going to stay with us for some time, especially in the suburban market. And so I expect to see that as a longer term trend uh, within the marketplace with these, these drive throughs and they're all seeking out the same drive throughs and, and, our, and, you know, even talking to Starbucks, you know, they, we've changed our coffee habits. We have our first coffee in the morning at home, which we would have had at Starbucks. And now we're having our coffee three hours later, but we're driving to it and picking it up, right? We're missing the experience of going into a store, but we're getting the taste of the, the drive-through. And again, I think the whole safety aspect is going to be a, is going to be a big change there. I, I think what I see going forward is that the secondhand business, uh, I think is going to be a real growth area. And I don't mean like an army surplus secondhand business, but I mean, even the luxury goods are getting into it. And I think some of that will displace, you know, some of those vacancies. Um, Gucci, for example, did a consignment deal with a company called Real Real in October of last year. And, and for the luxury, it makes sense. It helps support the value of their product, helps to stop knockoffs. And the predictions that I've seen um, is that the whole growth area as it relates to secondhand we could see 57% over the next five years. And on top of that, I think you'll also see um, some big uh, um, change in sustainability. And I think, you know, that has really played hold with a lot of consumers. You've written a lot of articles on that. But the whole idea of sustainability, and I think the second, well, I know the secondhand business plays well into that, but the idea of sustainability 
will be a big trump card that retailers will be waving, landlords will be waving. So I think that we're going to see that certainly going uh, forward for some time. Oh, terrific, terrific. And uh, and also, I'm hearing some people saying that retail spaces may become more akin to, say, showrooms and that we'll have sort of this hybrid you know, situation, we just call it omni-channel, maybe we still do, where, you know, there'd be a lot more e-commerce as well. Yeah, I think it's, it's the pandemic has said, has certainly shown to retailers that they had to adapt to an omni-channel and that they needed, you know, mobile phones, connections, the bricks and mortar, uh, you know, their e-commerce platforms, catalogs are still big, you know, even today. Uh, but how do you reach your customer in multiple ways? I think you'll see some um, retail is actually a huge spender on artificial intelligence and uh, and the whole tech side of things. And I think you will continue to see that. And the two main reasons is how do you engage your customer and how do you make more money? And, you know, all the customers are using technology these days. Uh, There's 3D look, for example, Um, you can scan your body and understand your body sizing. So when you order online, it, it is recorded it. So it helps to reduce the returns because apparel on e-commerce is the worst. It's up to 50% in some cases, whether it's shoes or clothing. And if you can reduce that, again, that's sustainability angle, reduce that with technology, that's great for the consumer and that's great for the retailer as well. And I think you'll see a lot of money being spent in there. From the landlord side, I think you'll see a lot of technology being spent. Driving to the mall, you'll have a chance to pre-designated parking spot, right? Um, Have products dropped into your car instead of carrying around the mall and, you know, um, pre-ordering your food at the food court or another restaurant. And then when you're leaving, get a coupon sent to you to have a return visit. And this whole idea, the tech walk that you're going to have at a mall. And even from an operational point of view, you know, how do you servicing the washrooms? Because that's going to be very critical in going back to a shopping center and how clean the washrooms are. And so through technology, mobile technology, you can see how often or not they're being used how frequently you should be cleaning the ones, especially the higher use ones. And again, that just saves time, effort, and money. And so these things will go down to creating a, a better operation, a more efficient operation, and a more tech-savvy you know, experience for the customer, both for the retailer and for the landlord. And I expect to see that as a long-term, uh, long-term uh, trend. Very interesting. And are there any um, recent deals that you'd like to uh, mention that uh, may have been involved with, uh, with yourself or the uh, brokerage? Well, first off, I, uh, our asset services group, uh, we were awarded, that's our property management group, we were awarded the uh, Bayshore Shopping Center in Ottawa, which is 900,000 square feet. And it's the dominant regional fashion shopping center within the Ottawa area. So that's really helped to increase our, our, our reach. Our asset services group, we manage about 16 million square feet across the country. So we've got a sizable portfolio there, and that's just adding on uh, another, another branch to our, our overall group. We've, uh, we've been working on, and I've been working on a, a group called the Canadian Retail Strategy uh, Group, which is a, uh, we're enhancing it. And it's basically, it's a transaction management group that um, does, works for retailers uh, on you know, renewals and new transactions and relocations sites. So we've really helped to, we're growing that. We see a huge upside. One of the biggest inquiries I've had over the last number of weeks is retailers coming to us for portfolio optimization strategy consulting. And so uh, these retailers said, look, I've come out of the pandemic. Uh, Now let's review what I have, you know, where am I performing, where am I not performing, and where are the opportunities going forward in terms of new markets to look at. And so our our, our retail strategy group 
And our consulting groups have been doing a lot of work in that portfolio optimization. So uh, it's looking good. And we, uh, we recently re- we rewarded uh, Sally Beauty and Cosmoprof uh, to do all their work across the country. So that's pretty exciting for us. Uh, and they've got about 250 locations there. So yes, we've been busy. And we continue to, uh, to grow our, our transaction base. Oh, terrific. Well, I like the fact that there's some optimism here as we uh, move into 2022 uh, and uh, hoping we have a roaring 20s coming up. Uh, this is some um, crossing fingers and maybe it'll happen. As I say, we have to be optimistic. I, I love there was, there was one uh, quote and um, that, you know, Doug Stevens from the Retail Profit, I'm assuming. And I, I, I have it posted up and I think it's, a, it, it's indicative of just the resilience of the marketplace. But it, his quote is, we don't build our lives around retail. Retail builds itself around our lives. And so with all the changes that have happened with COVID, you know, when things are going to be a little different, uh, but retail will build around our lives and they will prosper by building around our lives. And I, I think it's just a great way to look at the industry, that it's constantly evolving. It's constantly changing, um, but it will survive and we will constantly buy stuff. <laughs> And retailers, retailers will benefit from it and landlords will benefit from it as well, too. Oh, terrific. Well, thank you so much for joining us. This has been John Crombie. He's the Executive Managing Director of Retail Services in Canada for Cushman and Wakefield. Thank you. Greg, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> and thank you so much, everyone, for listening. I'm Craig Patterson, Editor-in-Chief of Retail Insider. Take care and bye for now. <laughs>